Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What made you want to date him specifically? Because I would never do this with nobody else. <laughs> but like, oh, why? why? It's me for me. I, uh, we know. We know. Uh, <laughs> I think if the vibe wasn't amongst us, I wouldn't be open to it. But because the vibe is there and I feel like that if in the event that an issue arise, I feel like that we will be able to be women and talk about it. After, you know, 10 years plus a friendship, it's, it's worth giving it a shot. Yeah. But why this dynamic? Like, why not a monogamous relationship? Because you can cheat on all the time. As well happen in your face or, you know, not look at it as being cheated on. Right. Or yeah. because you know, you know or, where he is right. and who he's with. I don't think that polygamy is the route that you take to not get cheated on. I think that if that's the reason why you're going into it, maybe you're not going into it with the best reason because I think it needs to be more than just not getting cheated on is your reason for, for joining that relationship. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Seeking Sister Wife Edition. I believe now we're on episode four. And if you thought that we would get a lull in the mess, because usually there's like a little dip before we get to the crescendo of the finale, you would be absolutely wrong. We did not have Slick Nick or Wilson Phillips uh, in this episode, which, you know, in terms of like mess and content, I was slightly disappointed about, but then, you know, you always have to look for the silver lining and my hope for them is that they have at least washed the sheets or have, you know, gone onto purple mattress and looked at like a bigger um, situation for the four of them. But, you know, in the meantime, we've got plenty of people to talk about, make no mistake about that. So let's talk about, I think we'll just get, Mr. Peanut out of the way first. <clears throat> there was some good stuff there, but we didn't see them too, too much. So 
The episode actually begins with Mr. Peanut looking for his watch, which he, you know, of course had to specify was a Bulova watch and, you know, is a nice watch. It's like, like, you know, it's fine. It, it is firmly in the nice watch, expensive watch category, but I think it's kind of like the basic bitch of watches. And, you know, probably, probably somebody stuck it on a shelf that he can't see, you know, th- that's why I'm imagining he can't find it. But anyway, he's having a talk with his fiance, India. So last week we left off, um, he was fresh off his date with a woman who I've come to know or to find out is actually named Bina with a B and not Vina with a V. So her name's Bina. Like, bitch, get out of this relationship. <laughs> so, um, you know, Taryn, his wife, was kind of on a don't ask, don't tell kind of vibe. Like, she was fully picking up what he was putting down in terms of, you know, if this was just an organic dating relationship, I wouldn't be consulting other people about when we took it to a physical uh, level. But India is very much like, nah, like, I don't want to be part of that narrative. We actually do need to have this conversation as a family before you take it to uh, physical. So he's talking to India about this and First we see him, he says, you know, after my date with Bina, the first thing on my mind is, when does the sex come in? It's like, sir, we know. We know. We made it very clear. So, Mr. Peanut continues to use what I call the organic defense, meaning that, like I said, in a normal relationship, he wouldn't be depending on other people. But he also tries to do a one-two punch with India by saying, when we started our relationship, we had sex really soon. And India's like, okay, well, that may have applied to us, but that logic is now null and void because we were both single at the time, or at least Mr. Peanut was pretending to be single. So in a confessional, India says that this should be a decision for everybody. So it really doesn't matter to her if Peanut thinks that Bina's the one. If Taryn and India don't feel that way, it's vetoed and Mr. Pina is at, sitting next to her on the couch and he moves his head so quickly and it was like, huh? Veto? I can hear the little peanuts rumbling around in that skull of his. So India asks what peanut thinks the rule should be. And he's like, well, I think the rule should be that you don't tell me what to do at all. <laughs> so... That, you know, they really, there was no resolution to that conversation. So later, you know, uh, Peanut had invited Bina over to the house the following day after their date. So we see them, you know, fixing their wine. Peanut's fixing himself a little thimble of Hennessy. And they're getting ready for Bina to come over. Uh, India has tells us that she has tasked herself as the enforcer since She's the only one who doesn't know Vina as well as Taryn and, sorry, Bina, as well as Taryn and Mr. Peanut. So Bina comes to the house and they all, you know, exchange pleasantries and stuff. And Tara starts off the conversation by asking Bina how the date went with Mr. Peanut. And was it weird? Because, you know, you've known him for 10 years. We've all known each other for a decade. Was it weird to like suddenly go on a date with him when you guys weren't 
you know, entertaining that all these years. And Bina's like, yeah, it was weird, actually. (laughs) And so India was like, okay, well, what is it about Peanut that made you want to date him specifically? And she's, Bina's only answer to this is, well, I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else. And India asked a very fair question of, okay, but like, why? Why do you want to do this at all? And Mr. Peanut, of course, has to hype himself up. And he's like, well, it's probably, it's the me for me. Like, that's why she's in the relationship. Sir, please. This man lives in like a two-piece, um, you know, plain colored t-shirt, uh, plaid short combo. And I just like, I cannot see his tiny little ankles kicked up in some sort of, um, you know, sign of dominance or whatever the hell he's trying to do. I can't take it anymore. I cannot look at that man's ankle. So Bina says again that she would not consider this sort of relationship dynamic with anybody else, but she feels like because she's got that history with Taryn, they'll be able to talk through whatever issues might come about. And when India asks again, okay, but why are you choosing this specific, like, poly relationship over monogamy Bina basically says that she would rather know that she's being cheated on instead of having it done behind her back (laughs) cool girl she also says that India says I just don't feel like this is a fit like if all you're looking for is transparency with regard to a man stepping out that's not really a reason to be in a polygamist relationship. That's just like you trying to get ahead of the story and not getting your feelings hurt. So then India says, she's got to be the real one. She's got to be the real one out of Taryn and Mr. Peanut, because Mr. Peanut will tell somebody he's met two hours ago, his entire life story. It'll be super open and think that they're the very best of friends. And Taryn just is like too trusting. And basically they live in La La Land. (laughs) So as India is being like, yeah, I kind of have to be the realistic one to bring everybody back down to earth. Bina's response to her is, when did you become like this? Like obsessed? (laughs) And India's just looking at her like, excuse the hell out of me. Mr. Peanut starts shifting in his chair. Like, Ooh, the girls are fighting. He lives for this. And that's why he's a sick bitch. Okay. He lives for women fighting over him. He lives for them, like trying to assert their dominance with regard to him. He lives for the drama that comes from like multiple women wanting him so badly that they're willing to, I mean, and this was like low key shade, but it's pretty shady for a first interaction between India and Bina. And he's living for it. Like he's not trying to calm the situation down. He's like me, you know, coming back home from school, watching Jerry Springer. Like I'm just living for the mess, beat her ass, beat her ass at the screen. Like he's loving this. India says that she is not obsessed. She would more go for the word territorial. She's always been protective of her family and she's going to be that way to make sure that the people that enter their lives are there for the right reasons. I'm completely on India's side. Like, first of all, 
Okay, first of all, none of you guys should be in a relationship with this man. He really doesn't care about you guys. He, his dick gets hard, the fact that you guys want him. Like, he, he doesn't care about the rest of it. But India is making the right decisions, and I think Tara needs to be on her side about this. Like, yeah, Tara, and you might know Bina, and you have a history with her, but you do have kids involved in this. You do have other adults involved in this. They all need to be making this decision uh, as a unit, and we're not just going to, like, it's completely fair to ask why is it that you want to be in this relationship in a polygamous relationship when you've never been in one before and if your answer is strictly about your history with being cheated on i'm on your side india like that's not a good enough answer that's sad that's really sad bina that sounds like you might need to take a you know call call therapists about that and work that out on your own and not just enter into this relationship resigned because you think that's the best you're ever going to get like that's sad baby that's sad Speaking of sad, let's get into Garrick, Joel Osteen, large wife, and Leah over in LA. So they've been there for a couple days now, and Leah and Joel decide to go for a walk in the neighborhood. And by walk in the neighborhood, I mean, what we saw, it seemed like they went from the end of the side to the corner and back. (laughs) Just like a long romantic date, right? So fortunately... Joel has switched out of his cowboy boots into something a little bit more comfortable, you know, a dirty old flip-flop, but that's neither here nor there. Honestly, seeing them walk down the street, Leah and Joel, was like, it was like, she's bigger than him, and I don't mean she's big. He's small, and she's just, like, bigger than him. So now I'm understanding why he wore the cowboy boots, because homegirl was looking for a little lift, just in case... Leah was taller, which uh, we find out now that the truth lies in the flip-flop. We see that she is taller and a little bit bigger than him. But seeing them watch, walk down the street was like, <laughs> it was like watching a nurse walk her like uh, old, not even old, like a, like a young boy with rickets. Like he needs to get the sun. He needs to get some vitamin D. So like, we'll just walk you down the street, baby, and back. Hopefully some vitamin D will be absorbed into that very pale skin of yours. And like, we can help you feel better. It looked like, I, I know I've been saying this like multiple times during their scenes. There's no chemistry between them at all. It's awkward. There's no investment. Like Leah's kind of trying. Joel seems scared of her. He seems intimidated. He seems like, Honestly, like, is Joel attracted to black women? I don't know. I'm not, you know, it's, and it's not like if he's not attracted to Leah, he's not attracted to any black women, but just, I notice there seems to be, as a black woman speaking, there's just like, I know what I'm looking at. And I just like, I don't think he likes her. And I don't think it's necessarily because she's black. I just think that they come from very different worlds. And I think he finds her intimidating, which is a word that I don't like to use for black women. Cause it's like, you know, like more often than not, we're not allowed to be soft and we're, you know, described as like intimidating or 
hard or strong, sassy, these words that are like supposed to be nice, but they're not because they don't allow us to like have full breadth of emotions. I I didn't even mean to get this deep, but I just get the sense that like he is intimidated by her in a way like he almost seems afraid of her. Like he's almost like, like he feels like she's going to pop him on the side of the head at any given moment. Like he, I'm not seeing a comfort or an ease with him with regard to Leah. So anyway, they're walking down the the block and Leah makes a point of like, hey, can you like stretch your arm out a little bit? Because like, I feel like I'm doing a lot of the work here. I'm clearly taller than you. Can you just like try and make it like, let's level the playing field a little bit. (laughs) She's also wearing high-waisted pants and, um, Shout out to my friends. We have a a little, you know, we discuss these types of shows. And initially we all thought that uh, Leah was wearing, so she's wearing high-waisted jeans. And it looks like her underwear is peeking out of the jeans. But then I got to look at her back and it seemed like she was wearing a belly chain. And listen, I in my life am never going to wear a belly chain. I would look so stupid. Um, But do we wear belly chains with high-waisted jeans? I don't know if the girls are doing that. I don't know. Anyway, so they go and sit back and Leah's first question for Joel is what he thinks their potential is one through 10. And he basically is like, well, um, I don't know if I can answer that, but you know, um, I think we all get along. I can answer it. Zero chemistry, zero potential. Thank you. None. Goose egg. Nada. Leah says that she really likes to be direct when she's getting to know people because she likes to know what their future will look like. And I actually think that this is kind of a mistake. Like there is a certain amount of like future planning and that we can do, but also there gets a point where you're just talking about the future where it gets to be these like hypothetical situations or just like fantasy situations of like, Oh, you know, I'll, um, I'll cook you dinner every night and blah, blah, blah. And we all know that that's more often than not the reality. And so there's like future planning. I just get wary because I just feel like a lot of it can just be like fluff and bullshit and not really worth getting into. So then Leah asks Joel how many wives he sees himself having. And he's like, well, I think five would be about the limit for me. So Leah's like, well, what would happen if I said, you know, I wanted to have a six wife? It was basically the question of like, how does the family make decisions as a family? Is it a majority rules type of thing? Like, how does it work out? And Joel's like, well, we will have conversations as a family. And at times that can be difficult. And Leah's like, okay, well, what do you do if there's a big decision to be made Half the wives think God leading is leading them in one direction. And then the other half of the wives think that God's leading them in the opposite direction, which is kind of a fair question. But also it's like, how is he supposed to answer that? Because as of now, he's only got um, one wife. And by that wife, I mean, Bert. And then large wife is also there. Um, So there's really no way for him to answer, like, what does happen when you guys are divided? Because it hasn't happened yet, you know? So then she further proves her point by saying, you know, we were 
initially, when we initially started to get to know each other, Roberta felt like God was not calling Garrick, Joel, to be with Leah. So what's good, right? So Joel is like, well, you know, as a husband, I am the leader and, you know, the wives are there to support and nurture me. So, you know, Roberta might be feeling insecure about this relationship, but, you know, Danielle, Danielle, large wife, really wanted to figure things out and move forward. So in a confessional, Joel says that there's a lot more things to consider when you're in a polygamous relationship and you have to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Okay, well, not once has that happened in your relationship, not with large life, not with Roberta. So (laughs) good luck, sir. So then Leah asks Joel if he feels like he's a good leader. And he's like, um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Leah says in a confessional that she feels like large wife and Roberta are a lot more needy and not really as ambitious as she is in terms of her career and where she wants it to go. So she feels like the wives need to be a lot more supportive of her as an incoming wife because her career is really important to her. So then finally we get to their last day in LA and they're going out to brunch rooftop beachside mimosas should be a really cute vibe. Right. But Joel, let's, let's get into Miss Joel's outfit. The, the cowboy boots are back. Okay. Tucked into the cowboy boots are what appear to be some gray, slacks that you would wear to like a business meeting a wedding something like that like nice pants right the he has decided to pair that with a maroon um t-shirt and then on top of that a leather daddy like where the hell did you get this vest from black leather vest and then a cowboy hat which does not, it's like a tan color that does not match his very brown cowboy boots. So I just found all of this visually um, disturbing. (laughs) I didn't like it. You look like when you let your toddler start to dress themselves, just like put anything on. I'm going to wear, I'm going to be a cowboy today. I'm going to be a cowboy on the top and the bottom, business in the middle, leather daddy on top. Um, you know, he was truly ready for any occasion, any occasion. (laughs) Who dresses this man? God help us. Joel says in a confessional that he and Leah were able to share a kiss and we see a picture of them kissing. And then he says that the night before they just spent it, Leah and Joel talking on the couch while Danielle, large wife had fallen asleep in Leah's lap. This must be another one of large wife's protection mechanisms. You know, like if I could just fall asleep near this woman's vagina, that's probably going to significantly reduce the odds of Joel, you know, getting his old Osteen inside of her. Things are pretty much awkward immediately at this brunch. And, you know, they're drinking their mimosas, but their conversation is not flowing. They're barely making eye contact with each other. And Leah's like, so, uh, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> A large wife and Joel, like, make this awkward laugh. And thank God they were saved by the bell. And the food came. 
So then Leah asks how often they date other women. Is it just like a revolving door situation? But Large Wife is like, no, actually, we haven't dated anybody since we, you know, stopped filming. Oh, I mean, since, you know, we started dating Roberta. Oops, I mean that. <laughs> like, let's let's call it a thing. You guys wanted to have another season. That's all this is. And that's all we're watching. And I don't appreciate that. Like, if this was a natural, organic relationship that was just going down the shitter, I'd be like, oh, this is so fascinating. But, like, clearly... One, Large Life wants to check Roberta, okay? That's very clear. Secondly, not not a lick of chemistry between any one of them. So I just don't like to be played in my... Like, don't play in my face. You know what I mean? Don't play in my face. This is fake, fraud, fraudulent, and I don't appreciate it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So then Large Wife asks Leah about what her relationship dynamic was like with her baby daddy because she was also in a plural relationship with him. So Leah says that she met her dude, her ex, at church. He was already in a pre-existing relationship, so he explained to Leah like what the situation was. Things started off pretty good at first, but then the dynamic really fell off and she felt like also she was young. She wasn't really ready to commit to that big of a relationship. She was still partying. Like it just wasn't the right timing. And large wife is like, yeah, I understand, you know, Joel and I got together when I was 19 and, you know, we kind of had to grow up together. And it's like, did you? (laughs) I don't know if he did. Don't know if he did, but okay, girl. Um, 
But Leah and her ex were together for three years. So in a confessional, Joel says that he's basically still unsure about Leah. But Large Wife takes the lead and says, you know, when the path is not clear for us, traditionally what we'll do is we'll take the opportunity to just pray and wait. Because when we make decisions of our own accord, mistakes can be made. You know, like, maybe you should have, Joel, prayed and waited, um, you know, while I was getting my pajamas ready for our slumber party in Mexico and you decided to um, um, slip your Osteen into Bert. Maybe you should have prayed and waited about that. Remember? Yeah. So Leah then claims that She's really excited about the potential of this relationship, but she's also scared because she would have to completely change her lifestyle in order to make the situation work. And yeah, maybe that's something you need to think about, Leah. Maybe that's something you need to think about. All right, you guys, let's move on to Squeaky and Guyliner. Just like, God, their storyline depresses me because they're just like two sad sacks. <laughs> like truly so Guyliner has decided to ramp up his desire to meet Ariel and we find out that one of the two times Guyliner tried to meet up with her apparently she got held up at the airport but then we see a flashback of him I guess they were supposed to meet up in Costa Rica so he goes there she doesn't make it apparently her flight got canceled because of covid so we see him like in costa rica at this beautiful place there's like lush you know jungle trees outside and he's like yeah it's kind of weird to be here by myself (laughs) good lord so they're just like a little bit frustrated because not only does it take a toll on them emotionally, there's also a financial aspect that comes to play. So now they have to save up money for yet another trip. Guyliner says that he's a little bit gun shy to travel now, but the thing that's really motivating him, like I'm going to break it down. The thing that's motivating both Squeaky and Guyliner is that he thinks that Ariella is so hot That she could be choosing to be with anybody in the world, but she keeps talking to them. So he just feels like once they're able to, you know, be in the same country or room together, the sparks are really going to start flying. Squeaky says that for now, it's best that Guyliner just goes on himself. (laughs) Nope. Goes on this trip by himself. (laughs) And it's like, you know, it'll cut down on costs. And then maybe in the future... Once they're officially together, Guyliner can spend, you know, maybe a month in the Philippines with Ariel, come back to America for a month to be with her and his children. And then maybe they can have some family trips all together here and there. Squeaky says that every time something falls through with them being able to hang out with Ariel, it's like... Ariel will confirm her commitment with the relationship. And that's why she feels like they're that, that Ariel still committed. I mean, Squeaky's basically going by the same theory of like, 
Ariel's so hot. She could literally be doing whatever it is that she wants, but she's putting parts of her life on hold for them. And that's proof that she's there for the right reasons. Because if if Ariel wanted to drop them, she could. (laughs) So later they decide to look up flights because now they're extra motivated to make sure that Ariel does not change her mind about being in this relationship. So they make the decision that Guyliner is going to be going with his chunky bracelets all by himself directly to the Philippines in order to cut down on costs on having, you know, Squeaky and the kids join. So Guyliner says that the plan is, you know, he's going to be there long enough to go through any protocols, you know, having to wait to quarantine or whatever and do what he needs to do to get in the country. And then hopefully he and Ariel click and he wants to make it official and have Ariel join the family while he's in the Philippines. So they decide to video chat Ariel to figure out plans, but clearly they had not had a previous conversation about this. So <laughs> squeaking guideline are like, yeah, so we're just looking at flights to um, see you again. She's like, Oh, do, do we have new plans? <laughs> so guideline tells her, uh, yeah, the new plan is for them to, for him to go to the Philippines. And she's like, Oh, Really? They're like, yeah, like, are you okay? She's like, well, sure. Like, I'll have a home team advantage or whatever. It's a lot easier for me. Then they bring up renting an Airbnb. And Guyliner is very, like, meek about it. And he's like, well, you know, Ariel, maybe you can help pick out a place since you're there. You, You can decide how many rooms we have. Or, you know, should we get a separate one? And Ariel's like, yeah, sure. So Squeaky takes the wheel and she's like, he's being really nice. Sidian's being really nice. He wants to know if you guys want to share a bedroom or not. And Ariel's like, oh yeah, sure. Like we can share a bread bedroom. No problem. Um, so Squeaky says in a confessional that she really has no issue with however Ariel and Guyliner Guy choose to progress their relationship sexually. She's really more worried about Ariel maybe feeling some type of way because she's never been in a polygamous relationship before a plural relationship. The guyliner says that he started to get nervous. Like, it's like, I, I feel good when we're on the video chat with her and I can see her. But then as soon as we hang up, I just start to get a little bit nervous because I just don't know these people. This is why I call them sad sacks is that they're so like, Oh my God, she's so beautiful. I cannot believe that she's even speaking to us. Like we really got to lock this situation down it really seems more about her beauty and the fact that like Guyliner's like, Oh my God, I've never gotten a girl this hot before. Like I got to make sure I'm doing whatever I can to keep this. And less like I have feelings for her because she feels like a right fit for my family. You you guys see what I mean? Womp womp. (laughs) So with that, you guys, we're going to end on, Oh dear Lord, Stephen Brindle. We find out, we didn't see them last week, that they were, they had gone on a week-long cruise with Steve's parents. And they are proof of their relationship. They have no issue. They're completely supportive. Um, but people aren't, like, I've seen probably millions of white people in my day. I, I count them as among my closest friends. But what I have not seen is somebody as pink as Steve I know he just came from that vacation, but I also felt like 
when we were first introduced to him, I was seriously wondering if my TV had, like, the color was off. The man is so pink. It's not, like, sunburn. Or maybe it's just, like, the beginning stages of sunburn. I've just literally never seen a man so actively pink all the time. And I need him to stop shaving his chest. I need him to stop shaving a lot of things because I feel like he's, like, maybe too smooth and the pink isn't helping. And... I don't know why it upsets me so much. I just, it's less upset and is more confusion. I just don't understand. Why is he so pink? Pink, like genuinely pink. Not, not like baby pink. Like we're almost veering into like hot Barbie pink at this point. And I just have a lot of questions. Anyway, Steve and Brindle have the boat out again. We don't see them on it. They just like take it to the parking lot and then sit by a bench to have this conversation. Um, so... Brandel says she has not seen or they have not seen April since their wine date before they went on vacation. And that was like two weeks prior. Since then, Brindle and April haven't really communicated. It's their communications completely dropped off. So she asked Steve like, Oh, have you talked to April? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> I talked to her yesterday. Um, we definitely caught up after I got back from vacation and we're planning on hanging out the next day. Like all three of us. So April or Brindle rather is like, yeah, well, I just think we need to talk about that because I'm just like a little bit frustrated with April. And she then says that she spends a lot of time being open with April, but she feels like April shuts her out. Steve tells Brindle, you know, keep in mind that April's not been in a serious relationship before. So it's not like she's not been in a poly relationship before she's or a plural relationship. She's not been in any relationship before. And it's like, yeah, cause she's a literal child. She's 21 and she looks 17. So Brindle says that things are different compared to when she came in and ruined Steve's first relationship. I mean, entered into their plural relationship because she felt like initially they were all pretty open and friendly with each other, but it's not happening this time around. So Steve says in an interview that even though April and Brindle have their issues, he's still very much invested in having April join the family regardless. <laughs> well, Steve, you're not the one who has issues with her. So yeah, I can imagine why that's so easy for you. <sighs> Poor Brindle sitting next to Steve in the interview chair and she just puts her head down like, oh, so we're just going to do this regardless of how I feel, which is bad. So great. <laughs> truly like the price is right losing horn was playing in her mind and you could almost hear it coming out of her ears like the like that's it womp womp then steve tells brindle that communication just doesn't come naturally to everybody and that if april wants to work on their communication then that's just what they'll do and brindle's just like yeah and then she gets up from the bench that they're sitting on and is like, I can't do this. So a producer asks Brindle what's going on and she starts to get emotional. She's like, I'm just upset because I really wanted to have a friend in April, but I just feel like April can easily talk to Steve. But there's been a lot of times where, you know, April and I have had one one conversations without Steve about the communication and like, how when he's traveling for work, it's just going to be the two of them. And 
She just feels like April's looking for something different than what she is. So then Brindle gets into their truck and Steve follows after her to ask her like what's going on. And she's like, I just don't want to cry on camera. Steve's like, well, but that's like the real you. Like this is a reality. This is the struggles of making an emotional connection. Like cry on camera, wife, do it. This is real. (laughs) So then Brindle says in an interview with the producer that she just feels like she's putting out a lot of effort, but she's not getting anything in return. And as of now, she just feels empty. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So then Brindle tells Steve that she feels like they put a lot of effort into, like, thinking about April, catering to April and how she feels, and Steve's like, well, do you want to have this conversation with April like all three of us. And she's like, well, I just don't want to make things too heavy. You know, I don't want to bring the mood down. And then Brenda admits to the producer that she has a tendency to put other people's feelings ahead of her. And she feels like she doesn't have anybody to talk to about it. And even though there are more people in this relationship than a normal one, she feels so alone. (laughs) Baby. I I feel an ounce of empathy for her because clearly she is looking for you pink panther to advocate for her, speak up for her, make her feel better. And you're just like, well, I think you should do this on your own. I'm having a great time with April. So if you have the problem, then you talk to her. So they decide to meet up with April to have dinner, but really to have a conversation with her about her lack of communication with Brindle and her lack of openness. So just a quick question, because I don't have eye vision problems. I I don't have to wear glasses or contacts. Um, We've now seen Brindle in two of the same frame but different colored glasses one of them like a more hipster like the clear frame and then now we're in black do do can you get like a like a four pack of of like glasses you know like you can get like a a thing of scrunchies that are like all different patterns and colors but they all come in one pack can that happen with glasses? And also, Brindle, can I help you with your glasses taste? Because I feel like it's really aging you, girl. She's my age, maybe two years older than me. And yet, I mean, listen, she's going through it emotionally and it's showing. It's showing on her face. And baby girl, 
you're going toe-to-toe with a 21-year-old, you need to step your pussy up. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Fashion, uh, emotionally, um, your self-worth, all of it. Because you're now getting iced out and like this like little fear that you had about being the one to get kicked out of this relationship is going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy, starting with the glasses. They're so they're old maiden glasses and you need to give them to like a, like a middle school art teacher because this isn't working for me. So the first time we see April in this episode, she's already crying in a confessional. And she says she's nervous to have this conversation because she doesn't know what to expect. This is a behavior of a child who feels like like she took the car out without asking her parents and now this is going to be the punishment conversation. <laughs> like she's so young looking and it's just so weird to watch them like navigate this relationship with this child. Like I know a 21-year-old is not a child, but like he's he could she could be his child. Realistically, he could have given well, he couldn't have given birth, but he could have a 21 year old child. It wouldn't be weird. And this is weird for me. So Brindle tells April that over the past five months of getting to know each other, they've tried to make April feel comfortable, but they're not as close as they hoped or really at all. <laughs> so Brindle goes on to say that she feels like she's not even a thought in Steve's relationship with April. And that when they're on the phone they being Steve and April, they don't try to loop her in. It's not like Steve saying, hey, April, you want to talk to Brindle? April's not saying, hey, can you pass me the phone to Brindle so I can talk to her for a few minutes? Like they're just on their own island and she's on her own island by herself. In a confessional, April says she's not really surprised because she had the feeling that Brenda was feeling some type of way about something she just wasn't sure what it was specifically it's really clear to me that brindle's like mostly upset with steve but she's taking it out on april because she doesn't know how to communicate to him properly and she also probably feels like this would be my guess like if she put her foot down and made steve make a choice um her ass would be gone and I really think that's what what is happening here and I'll tell you what girl um if you keep acting so miserable that's exactly what's going to happen like I said this is going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're the one who's just like crying and complaining and they're having their fun relationship by themselves and you're the one who's like uh you know Debbie Downer in the corner with your glasses this is exactly what's going to happen you will be alone girl you will be So April straight up says that she feels like Steve is a lot better at communicating what it is that he needs and wants from her, whereas Brindle's a lot more quiet. So Brindle says, but I thought I made things pretty clear before, but what I want out of you, April, is a relationship that's more than a best friend. And I want to be somebody that I can rely on or that you can rely on and vice versa. And, you know, I just feel like every time you need something, you just go straight to Steve And ultimately, like, I need to feel like I'm needed. And if I don't, I feel essentially worthless. So then Brindle tells April that she feels like at this point, she's giving way too much of herself. And she does not want to feel that way anymore. So April says in a confessional, like, it's clear to me that 
you know, she, she doesn't really care much about the relationship with Brindle, but I know that like, if I don't have a relationship with Brindle, then I can't have one with Steve. So Steve straight up asks April, as it stands today, do you feel like you really need Brindle? And April's like, um, well, um, like when you say, do I need her? Like, like a relationship, you know, I do feel like there could be more, but you know, I haven't really pushed to open up to Brindle as much as I have with you, Steve. And Steve just stares at her like, God damn it. (laughs) So in a confessional, Steve's like, I feel like I threw April kind of a softball of just being like, yeah, just say yes. You, You do feel like you need her, but then you didn't. Like, I was desperately trying to get them to connect, but it didn't happen. (laughs) So this is, like, crazy. He is more of a connection with April on, like, a cerebral level or, like, a subconscious level than he does with his own wife. And they've only known her for five months. He's, like trying to work with April as a team to make Brindle feel better rather than trying to work with his wife, Brindle to try to make her feel better about the situation. And that's what Brindle should have picked up on. So then Steve's dumbass goes over to Brindle, looks at her and asks her if she feels any better. And she's like, no, um, actually I feel worse if anything. And I, I don't understand. Like, why did you pause when Steve asked you if you needed me? She's like, I don't feel happy with this relationship. So Steve says in a confessional that as it stands, their relationship, all three of them, are in like the worst possible place. And while he doesn't want to see Brindle upset, he also sees in April that she really wants to make this relationship work. But there's such an emotional disconnect between April and Brindle that he's afraid that the relationship with April might end. (sighs) I'm not. I'm afraid for Brindle, but we'll see, girl. Oh, my God. This is going to be mess. This is going to be mess. I saw a preview for next week where all four, Slick Nick and the Wilson Phillips trio, are in the bed with each other. And I just, like, I'm already lightheaded about it. So, hopefully, you guys will join me next week in talking about that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking.